in our two classes so far we've again, just just begun we've not even really finished our first chapter which is a short chapter the entire Gita in fact is quite a short uh, <laughs> exposition but within every word as we have seen lies so much depth and so much understanding that it can take a long time really for us to understand and feel the power vibration and wisdom behind the words and even in our little discussion here I'm only just scratching the surface because all words all superficial understandings no matter how deep is just the surface the depth of it the power and the truth of the Gita and of Krishna's words and wisdom is only going to flower within your own consciousness within your own meditation and that is the understanding we have received so far as well okay the mind introspection understanding the armies but then Arjuna the devotee you and I that's not enough now I have to go into the Shushumna I have to go into the very middle of both these armies. I can't be in either side in this moment. I have to find absolute neutralization of any influence one way or the other before I can truly begin the journey of self-discovery. And that takes place deep in our spine, in the Shushumna, when all that life force has withdrawn, when the restless mind is still, when the bow has been uplifted and self-control of all the latent tendencies that are constantly awakened within us, when they've all been brought to a certain level of stillness, that is when Krishna's words begin to speak. But we're now at a very interesting crossroad as a devotee. We've begun our spiritual journey quite in earnest and uh, we've enjoyed a lot of it. We've put out a lot of energy in it, but we've come to this point where we now realize that this battle is actually quite serious. And where we left it was Arjuna looking on both sides of the battleground, but especially focusing on the Kauravas, those who are his enemies, those he is now supposed to slay. And he realizes that all these people are my brothers and my sis not sisters, I guess in this particular case. My grandfather is there, my teachers are there, my cousins are there, my friends are there, people I've grown up with, people who've contributed to enriching my life all these years and now I'm supposed to do battle with them? And we talked about how each of these uh, relations, each of these family members are the inherited tendencies of our own consciousness. That that we've brought and been influenced by, not just in this lifetime, but for many lives. The grandfathers, as I said, represent past life tense and tendencies. The fathers represent those that we've inherited in this particular life. Our teachers represent those that we've you know, learned and practiced and those tendencies that we've built on in this life itself. And our brothers and cousins and friends are all the 
um, secondary ramifications of these tendencies. Anger as a tendency leads to 16 other different complications, bindings, attachments, habits that just that one tendency generates within us. And like that, there are so many of them. And looking at them, what does the devotee realize? The devotee realizes that, oh my goodness, in order for me to get to the bliss that I am seeking so desperately, I'm actually going to have to work on eliminating all these aspects of myself. You see, and it's not a, it's not a joyful thought. It's not a joyful thought from both sides. And we'll talk about this in both ways. One is that we've associated with these tendencies for so long that we actually believe them to be us. So if I say, but if I get rid of my love for chocolate, and if I get rid of my desire to make money, and if I, if I get rid of that little bit of you know, moodiness that I like to get into, that little bit of laziness that I like to experience, if I get rid of all those things, well, who am I? You know, these, these are, this is what defines me. This is what makes me, you know, my sarcastic humor. This is what people like about me. And we've got all these layers to ourselves. And now we're going to have to actually peel these layers off. And not only is that a frightening thought, because the ego in its subtlety, and I'm not talking again, I'm not talking about anything negative here. I'm just talking about having... You know, it's just like, oh, this is my wife. I've, I've grown up with her. I live with her. She's been with me forever. She's been so loyal. She's been so loving. She's supported me in my hard times. My own anger has supported me to push through people who have, you know, who've tried to take advantage of me. I mean, it's just like, this is me. And now I'm supposed to do battle with that. So you've got that one side, which is really a deeper aspect, but you've got the other side, which on a daily level we contend with, where we're not really interested in letting go of our habits. We're not really interested in overcoming all our downward pulling tendencies. We want God, we want bliss, but we certainly don't want to give up these tendencies. So there's this dichotomy in our own spiritual journey that many of us arrive at. Some of us have moved past it, although moved past at least the initial inertia, but we fight with it daily. You know, we're all fighting with lack of willpower. We all fight with the rude words that come out. We all fight with the irritation that develops within us. We all fight with desires and attachments that seem like they pop up every few seconds. So the battle's not a one-time deal here. The battle's constant. However, there is one defining moment as well where the devotee chooses whether he's really ready to throw himself all in or is he going to straddle the path where he, no, you know, I want to, I want my little eccentricities and I want my little uniqueness, my individuality, because this is who I am. And, you know, I don't want to get rid of that. Sure, I'm going to meditate and I will do my chanting and I will do, you know, whatever. Love <laughs> yeah, I want to love it. I have to love and accept even these lower tendencies of myself, you know. So this is the passive kind of, level of spirituality that in a sense the majority of us are in it takes a very serious yogi 
to take a scalpel and then just kind of cut through those layers because it's painful. And who of us want to go through that pain? No. Oh, spirituality is supposed to be joyful. Spirituality is supposed to be ah, la di da. Well, no. Here you are. Finally, the devotee comes to that point. And Arjuna, like us, has a lot of reasons for why he doesn't want to now do this. Uh, this is who I am, this is what I need, this, is, this defines me, what about my children, what about my family, if I suddenly start becoming so detached, what will happen to them, if I'm so, you know, if I just single-pointedly give myself to the search of God, what about all my worldly responsibilities? So, you've got these two pulls and both of them are equally strong right now. There is a desire for bliss. At that point, the devotee cannot argue, but there's an equal and often stronger pull towards Maya as well. You know, in the Bible, interestingly, Christ, when his disciples come to him early on, and one of them in a gathering says, Oh, you know, Jesus, Master, Guru, uh, my, my parents are here, my brother is here, and you know, I want them to, I want to go with them. And, and Christ says to them, very interesting, he's like, you think I'm here to bring peace, but I'm here to bring the sword, to set mother against son, son against father, brother against brother. For he who leaves everything behind for my sake shall find a thousandfold in me. Now again, look at Christ's words. This is what Krishna's words are too. Oh, you think I'm here to just make your life easy and pamper you? You think spirituality is about me just saying, oh yeah, peace is very good. You know, don't worry, you don't have to work hard at this. No, I'm here to set mother against son, brother against brother. And even Christ is talking about these tendencies that would keep drawing us again. They're not talking about our family relations, but they're talking about the family of the citizenry in our mind, in our heart, that we've created these constellations, these clusters, and one cannot live without the other. So Arjuna does his best to essentially say, letting go his bow, you know, bending his spine and saying, you know what, I think peace <laughs> is the way to go about here. I think war is not the solution. So now there are two layers here and we've been talking about this. There is the layer of outward action in dharma as well. And this is where we will go into in our next, uh, I want to move into this next chapter because I'm waiting to hear Krishna speak. I'm tired of Arjuna's whining. I'm tired of our whining. And Arjuna finally, this is the last uh, stanza of this first chapter where Sanjaya says, Thus declared Sanjaya to Dhritarashtra, introspection to the blind mind. Arjuna having thus spoken on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, his mind in upheaval owing to his grief and mental turmoil, set down his bow and slumped back onto his chariot seat. So this is where we are. There's a little bit of, and this chapter in fact is called the despondency of Arjuna. And so that little discouragement sets in on the devotee when he realizes this is going to be a tough journey. This is not going to be as simple as I originally thought. Sanjaya continues his address to Dhritarashtra. We're in the second chapter now. Krishna then addressed Arjuna, who is overwhelmed 
Overwhelmed as he was with self-pity and entirely disheartened with eyes dim with tears. You see, this is a very real struggle and this struggle is the struggle of doubt. And this is the biggest obstacle in the beginning of a devotee's part. Am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right track? Is this, is this the journey? Because it seems not only hard, but it seems that I'm actually going to have to give up so many aspects of myself that I hold dear. So that doubt literally is quite saddening and filled with grief. It's, it eats you from inside. It, it churns our consciousness from inside. And so Arjuna's despondency is one that you and I can relate to perfectly. I've been through this process. I don't know where you are in your own particular journey right now. But if you've not already, this is coming. So take heart from both understanding that a great devotee, a great true warrior like Arjuna as well, was just going through the same thing you and I have or will go through time and again at each stage where a major shift has to happen, a little bit of this will come in. Because the subtlety of the ego, even as we rise in consciousness, the ego rises as well. Because in fact, it is the ego that is rising. You see, it is not the soul that is rising. The soul's perfect. It is the ego getting closer to the light, closer to the soul, and in that the ego gets subtle and its deceptions get subtle and its understandings get subtle and it begins to use our own words like peace and isn't this better and I don't want to fight and I want to keep, I want to have the whole. I mean, it'll use all your own deeper understandings and it will plant seeds of doubt on your journey, on your battle. And the Lord says to Arjuna, Oh Arjuna, from where? comes this despondency in your hour of decision. Right in our meditation, when the energy has to be going up, where is this despondency coming from? Such behavior is unseemly in a noble soul. It will not lead to heaven, and here on earth, moreover, it will bring you disgrace. So he's talking about this moment where it won't lead you to heaven. You may think that oh, I want peace and I don't want to fight and this deep realization that you've had where oh, both can coexist perfectly. Bliss and laziness should just go hand in hand. Um, selflessness and greed should go hand in hand. So it will not lead you to heaven. And here on earth, which means in your own conscious, in the body, in this world, it will bring you disgrace. Your own consciousness, you come to a point where, and again, unfortunately, I've experienced this, where you're a little disgusted with your own self, where you're a little completely distraught with your inability to either proceed. It's like you're stuck in limbo. The world, you've understood that the world cannot give you happiness, yet it draws you. You've understood that God is the only purpose, and it draws you, yet you can't bring yourself to give it up. And you're just not sure who am I and what am I doing here? And so in this earth, on this conscious plane, it will give you disgrace and it will certainly not take you to heaven. It will not give you the bliss that you are seeking. Yield not, O Arjuna, 
to unmanliness. Of course, here he's awakening the warrior within him. It ill befits you. Cast off this weakness of heart, O scorcher of foes, arise. Now, Arjuna represents your third chakra, which is the element of fire. In fact, this is what Yogananda calls Arjuna, fiery self-control. Now, this is the willpower that it takes. Now, after us, in the beginning, it takes a lot of will for the devotee to even get here because he has to draw his energy from his lower two chakras of attachment, of self-preservation, of complete self-involvement, bring it to the third chakra. But now, Krishna is saying, cast off this weakness of heart because energy, while it's here, scorcher of foes, he calls him, he who burns his foes, the fire that is within us. But we have to now awaken the energy of the heart because this fire has to be lifted up. Scorcher of foes, arise, Krishna says. Lift up this energy. Involve the feelings of your heart. Awaken, essentially, deep devotion in this moment. Doubt can only be banished through devotion. It cannot be banished through the mind because you can see Arjuna his mind is very sharp. He's using all the right concepts. And this is where people have always had a little bit of an issue with the Gita. Oh, Arjuna wants uh, peace. And Krishna says, no, fight these people. And this is where you have to understand, Krishna is not really even talking about this outward battle. There are layers of the outward activity where anyway, most of us don't want to put out a lot of willpower. We are constantly looking for excuses to lower our energy, to skate through circumstances. And on one level, on the most, you can say, superficial level, Krishna is just saying, Arjuna, act, fight, lift up the energy, take on these issues, face your circumstances, face your karmas, just on a physical level, on the outward level. On another level, here we're talking about righteous actions because Arjuna, we have to remember, he's a warrior. He's not somebody Krishna has just picked up from the street and now has said, no, I want you to kill all these people. There's a certain dharma Arjuna has taken on in this lifetime and this dharma has to be fulfilled. And it's not about killing people or not killing people. It is about duty and responsibility. What is Arjuna's responsibility in this particular case? Should I just let um, the entire kingdom go into chaos, be served by a very, very malicious king? Or is my duty to the subjects, to the people to whom I have given this solemn vow to protect and to uphold dharma for? Now for you, who are those people who are under your protection, under your responsibility? And I don't mean just family. I'm talking about in your team, at work, um, as an employee, as an employer, as a father, as a husband, as a mother, as a son. What duties are you trying to avoid? What are you trying to skate away from? Here another interesting question comes to mind. Say, for example, somebody is extremely mean to us, very, very harsh, is putting us down all the time. We have two ways we can respond to them. One is we stand up for ourselves, you know, in this particular case, the fight. And the other is that we let go. And in this case, this is Arjuna's choice. Let's just have peace. I don't want to fight this guy. Now, the question is, what is the appropriate response? 
The answer is, it totally depends on you as the individual. Because many of us, if I have a tendency always to just say, I, don't, I want to avoid conflict and you know, I just want to skate away from this thing, it is very important for me to be able to learn how to raise my energy and stand up for myself. If I have a tendency to constantly react and fight and get upset, then I need to learn how to let go of things and learn how to arrive to that peaceful solution within myself. So there is no clear answer here. There is only what is your responsibility and what is your duty which will lift your state of consciousness from where it is to its next step. And that's the question we have to ask ourselves in every decision that seems to us a little, you know, I don't know what's the right thing here to do. And I, in my own mind, can create justifications. If I'm naturally prone to anger, I can easily say, well, it was very important for me to stand up for myself because, you know, it's, it helps that guy. He can't just be walking over people. In fact, I taught him a good lesson, so now he won't do it to other people. I can justify it and make it sound spiritual. And if I have a tendency as it is to, you know, not want to put any energy out, I can justify how important peace is. So this is Arjuna justifying why he does not want to really take on this process. Why he doesn't want to continue with this battle because, well, it's just too much and it's going to hurt. So Krishna is saying to him, cast off the weakness of your heart, O scorcher of foes, and arise. Whatever you do, it needs to lift your energy up. It needs to take you to your next step. And Arjuna, of course, again replies, O slayer of Madhu and destroyer of foes, Krishna, how can I make war by shooting arrows against Bhishma and against Drona? Those great warriors deserve only my respect and reverence. See, he's interested in these two particular uh, <laughs> relatives of his. One is Bhishma, egoic identity, and the other is Drona, habit. So these are his two main, these are our two main foes. And to them, we're like, how can I destroy them? How can I destroy my sense of individuality? And how can I destroy all the energy I have put out into making myself me? And this is what Bhishma and Drona represent. And believe me, it's not an easy process to go through. We don't want to destroy our individuality and we don't want to destroy all actions that have led us to this moment in our lives. I would find even a life of begging preferable to slaying these preceptors of mine, even if they are wrong, nevertheless they are my teachers. You see, now this is where you can see the fallacy of Arjuna's um, justifications. Even if they are wrong, even if they pull me down, even if they keep me entrapped in this world, you know what? But they're mine. So I don't think I'm going to be, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be slaying them. And he goes on in a little bit, but this is very sweet now. My very being is stricken with the weakness of uncertainty. Please help me to know for certain what I must do. What is my right path? I am thy disciple. I take refuge. In thee. Now this is Arjuna's absolute salvation because as I said each of us get to a point where we're not quite certain what the next step is. Doubt besets 
our own mind plays tricks with us it will justify to us whatever actually already is in harmony and resonance with our desires you know it's not going to it's very hard to generate your own thoughts that will say let's overcome our desires let's go beyond our habits that's very hard to do so for what so for these two reasons what do we need and what does arjuna have here i am thy disciple and i take refuge in thee this is where the role of the guru comes in this is where your inner and again i want to un- help us understand guru is not the picture on the wall guru is a living consciousness and a guide in constant communication with you with whom to whom you refer back everything that is going on within you because this doubt this uncertainty this discouragement we don't have the ability to move from the third chakra to the fourth by the power of our own will we need a magnet here that draws that energy up we need devotion we need surrender we need to have a higher power to whom we place before these doubts and uncertainties in the mahabharat there was a point when both duryodhan you know the story and arjuna go to find krishna the idea being <laughs> whoever can get krishna's armies and get all of krishna's power is surely going to have the upper hand here because krishna himself is a king here krishna himself has a vast uh, you can say horde of warriors under his command and so both the go to them krishna is of course asleep both of them are waiting duryodhan sits at the at the head where krishna's head is on a chair arjuna of course the devotee stands at krishna's feet waiting for him to awaken krishna opens his eyes sees arjuna first then sees duryodhan and he realizes both of them have come to ask him the same thing and he says because i saw krishna first because god sees the devotee first he who stands at the feet of the lord krishna says i will give arjuna the first choice now the choice is very simple he says because both of you have come to ask of me something i have to give you both something which is another sweet aspect of the divine god is going to give the devotee and he's also going to give the worldly man what the worldly man seeks you know he's not going to oh you want desires you want riches here let's see if that makes you happy oh you want fame power here let's see if that works out for you so god's not really partial here which is beautiful it is up to the devotee to make the decision so krishna gives the basic uh, um, choice here either me and i will not lift a weapon i will only be a humble charioteer or my entire army which means either all my manifested world power fame money every desire you can think of my army or me in my essence where i will only be your guide i will not fight this battle for you and what does arjuna choose without hesitation he says i choose you my lord and duryodhan so happy is like oh, thank god i mean he was worried like oh my goodness i can't believe arjuna got the first choice and he's wondering what a stupid guy arjuna is because now he gets krishna's army and so 
this is the defining moment really in in the mahabharat for the geeta for this battle because this choice was important now if arjuna had gotten the second choice and duryodhan would have first asked for the army and arjuna would have been left with krishna that's not going to work you have to in the face of the world choose god in the face of rudeness choose kindness in the face of selfishness choose selflessness in the face where you could have anything you want choose god only then does this work for us you see and each of us again this choice comes to us again and again again and again again and again and what we choose more often will define where we stand in this battle because for most of us and people who are especially against the concept of the guru you know what they do they make the spiritual path up in their own image they take a little bit from here little bit from there oh i like this and i like that and this style i like and this music and that technique and they shake it up and they just mix it according to what they their preferences and tendencies are naturally inclined towards and if we are in that moment we don't proceed any further than where you are yeah you will be spiritual yeah nice things will happen to you yeah you might have very deep meditations but overjuna neither will you achieve heaven and on this earth you will face only disgrace you will be stuck in that limbo forever so as we come to this little end this is a wonderful time because this is this is a deep thought for us to meditate and ponder upon is a who is my guide who do i really place my problems my doubts and i'm not talking about worldly problems here this is not a battle that is being placed uh, only fought on the outward scene who is it daily moment by moment that you respond to that you lift up your doubts your fears your inabilities your incapabilities your failures to who is it that finally you say i am thy disciple and i take refuge in you this is where the war is already won that choice that arjuna made from that first moment where he said i choose krishna over everything else he was not left with krishna he consciously chose krishna and let's see in our own lives what we do i'd like narayani as always to help take some of the key points from what we've talked about and bring a little clarity to them perhaps something that we should practice during this week well one of the things that really reminded me while listening to this talk is that the ego is going to find every possible excuse throughout the day to not put to not put the energy that is required in order for us to keep self transforming ourselves and i think this is something that we need to start paying attention what are those moments where i have a choice to put more energy out to fight a specific tendency of mind and and make 
a conscious effort to put a little bit more of energy because believe me the ego is going to find every possible way to persuade you persuade you persuade you you not to do that it takes energy to walk the spiritual path if you really want to change yourself yogananda said that an easy life is not a victorious life and the spiritual path is all about putting energy out arjuna right now is being asked are you willing to put energy out and if you are willing i can work with that energy i can redirect that energy to the right place to the right situations i will guide you but i need for you to have the enthusiasm and the willingness and the willpower the willpower that is in our third chakra where arjuna resides and use that energy to keep conquering day by day little battles because one thing that we need to remember ourselves also remind ourselves we cannot start by fighting the big battles this is something we need to start bit by bit the little ones that we can handle so i will say from what you spoke today it's going to be important for us to every day i am i putting enough energy out to overcome that laziness or that being afraid for what other people will say or think about me if i stand you know and i want to stand and speak up in the name of truth or to defend a spiritual principle so feel it out what that means for you in your daily life and the other thing is about the guru disciple relationship i think is this is the time has come for you especially if you want to make serious serious spiritual progress to start asking the divine the universe the cosmic light your guardian angel however you want to call it for guidance to be guided to the right guide to the right path to the right guru because once we are in good hands once we know we are in krishna krishna's hands we can really mm, start surrendering ourselves and, al- and align ourselves with god's will the scriptures say when the disciple is ready the guru appears so why not start getting ready for that moment where we can finally be guided not by our ego by our likes and dislikes but by truth by wisdom by courage by power and obviously by god's will and of course not a guru in name not a guru in photo you know if you have a guru already really build this relationship that arjuna had with with krishna choose every day moment by moment 
this center rather than the lower centers the higher energy as narayani said rather than the lower so play with this have fun with this make the geeta as alive in your life as you possibly can has planted a light within each one of us and that's the only thing that god the gurus the masters of all religions want for us to bring out to bring forward that little light that is within us into this world and they want to do that for us they want us to do that as a group as a big family united motivated and inspired to bring that light to share that light with all and let's pray that we each one of us can develop a deeper desire to want to bring this light out into everything we do and to share with everyone we meet this is our greatest contribution to bring our light into this world om shanti shanti